Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the First Gear Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Eric, and I'm here with my buddy Tanner. What's up, Tanner? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a it's been a fun weekend. So it's been a fun week into this week now. Yeah, I can't speech today, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. been a, it's been a long day. Hey, I hear you. My last couple days of work here have been pretty stressful. So, been looking forward to sitting down and having a good conversation again. So, something to look forward to. Same. So. I've been looking forward to this actually since Sunday night, just because of all the stuff that's been going on in the world of racing. Um, it's been pretty wild the past couple of days. There's a lot of uh, different news, different events that have come out. And this week we actually have the stages set and we're going to roll right into stage one, uh, which is going to be our news for the week. So if you want to roll right into it, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if anybody has listened to the Dale Jr. download for this week, but he had Marcus Smith on again, and they uh, touched on a few details for the NASCAR All-Star Race next year at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And, man, after listening to that, I want to go in the worst way. (laughs) I would do dirty things to go. We'll just put it that way. That sounds like a blast. They're, it's going to be a whole, you'd have to take the whole week off. They're going to have late model races. What do you say? Tuesday, I think Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. The truck series is going to be down on, they're going to be down Friday for practice and then they're going to be racing Saturday. Yeah. I think they and said Friday. Cup is going to, yeah. Cup is going to race on Sunday and they're also going to race heats the whole like yeah, two or three days awesome. before that, which is cool. Yeah. They said they're going to have <laughs> cup cars on the track all three days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they are fixing to have a really, really good event in just the stuff <laughs> that Marcus touched on about what they're doing to the track and how they're going to keep it old school. And man, it is just going to be so cool. It's going to be sick. I listened to that part of the episode twice just because I wanted to make sure, number one, that I had some information correct. And number right. two, it was just that exciting. And for those that don't know that haven't heard about North Wilkesboro, it is a short track in Wilkes County, North Carolina, that got shut down in, I believe, the last, NAS- the, the last NASCAR race was 1996, and Jeff Gordon won. He was the last actual full-time cup winner at North Wilkesboro, and it's been shut down ever since then. They've used it off and on for testing and stuff like that, and they tried to bring the, they've tried to bring different series back to it, but it really didn't pop off until Dell Jr. decided that it was worth saving. And he started talking about it a lot on his show and bringing Mm -hmm. life to it. And they had an episode with Marcus Smith where they, without saying it, basically said that NASCAR was going to be coming back to North Wilkesboro. And they ran a late model race a couple months ago there. Um, Dale Jr. went and drove his Sundrop car for his own team, which I thought was pretty cool. It's like a throwback paint scheme. And now we're getting it back. It was announced it is going to be the host the all-star race next year which is freaking cool what a better way to improve the all-star race from texas by going back to north wilkesboro facts i i think that race is going to be incredible the whole event everything they're going to do that whole week 
by having the super late models there, the late model stocks there, and then having the trucks and the cup cars there. I mean, that whole week is just going to be insanity. It's going to be a jam-packed week, and I have a feeling it's going to be sold out like every single night. If you don't get there, kind of like tailgating for an afternoon football game, if you don't get there early, you're not going to find a spot. Like, it hasn't been – they're going to redo some things and make it easier for parking and navigating through traffic and stuff like that before they have the actual event. But I think it's going to be beyond sold out the entire time. The fans, I have a feeling, are going to surprise both Marcus Smith and Dale Jr. and turn out in droves. Oh, yeah. It's going to be – it's going to be insane. I think it's going to blow out the revival that they just did with the late model stock race that they had or that cars tour race, whatever they call it. It's going to blow that out of the water. And that was huge. They sold out. Like they had all the campgrounds were completely gone. The stands were jam packed and it got junior actually kind of emotional after the race. Cause he was looking up at the crowd talking on TV and he was like, man, this is just too cool. I haven't seen this place packed since I was a kid. He was just going on about it. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Well, and I just loved how Marcus talked about it on the show that they're going to try and keep it old school. Like they're going to give it some like modern day technology, but they're going to keep the looks and the feel of everything old school, North Wilkesboro. Obviously they got to do some of the safety advancements to meet the cup series standards, like their safer barrier and the catch fence all the way around, but he's keeping it old school. And that is going to be so awesome. The part that I thought was pretty cool was whenever they were talking about, um, the way that they're going to show the top five. So they're going to yeah. use an old school board where you actually have to physically go and change the numbers like every five laps or whatever. I haven't seen that since uh, Peebly when I was a kid, like before they got the analog and digital scoring thing or, you know, before it was an app on your phone. That's how you used to view the top five because you would get lost in the shuffle throughout the race. Like, all right, after they start lapping people, you know, who is actually where you would lose all the spots and you'd see it up on that board. And it was like, oh, okay, Sammy Swindell's in second. Sweet. Yeah. And did they say they're going to put the names up there too, or is it just going to be the numbers? I, I guess I didn't quite I understand the, what they were saying. I think it's just the numbers. Um, Either just way. that way it's, that way it's just easy to take on and off. If right. they had to do names, that take too long. If you're doing it the manual way, like they did way yeah. back when, <laughs> back yeah. in the day. And they're going to have that outside turn three. And then he talked about how they're going to have the score tower, which wasn't working for that revival race that they did. Yep. He said he's going to keep it like pretty similar to what it looks like. They're just going to put LEDs in it and just kind of put some modern updates in it. But it's going to look very similar to the original. And man, it's just going to be so cool. You know what the best part is, though? I just remembered this. The best part that they talked about was the concessions. Yeah, They're going to have like $2 burgers, $2 hot dogs you know, $3 beer, you don't, it's going to be cheap enough. You don't need to bring a cooler, but if you want to, you can, that's an option too. And they're just doing a full swing throwback to the way that it was old school pricing, just old school lettering. He went, Dale started like just drawing everything out in his mind on the show. He was like, all right, we're going to use this old school font whenever we're making all the signs and stuff like that. And I was just sitting there going, man, our brains work way too much alike because that's exactly what I would say to do. Like take everything you had in 1996 yep. and just make Bring it, it back. look like it was made in 2022. Just, and then you're done. Like it's basically 30 years ago. So it's all, it's, it's a throwback now. Yeah. And then they were talking, was it down in the infield and in like turn one and two or something like that, where they were going to open it up to the fans after the race to come down there and 
I think they're going to have food stands and all sorts of stuff down there. I think on the infield they were saying. I can't remember. Oh, um, he was going to open. They want to open it up so the fans can come eat the drivers and come yeah. through pit road and stuff like that and get a real experience of what it's like, you know, right. after the race, how these guys are, you know, you know, from doing it. And I've done it too, like thrashing to get everything back in the truck so that you're not there until yeah. two o'clock in the morning, packing everything up. And then you finally get to go home. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be a really, really cool event. I think Marcus is, uh, I think he's approaching this in the best possible way. I'm, that, I'm, I'm excited for it. Extremely same. excited. I am so hyped for that. It is, like I said earlier, I would do dirty things to be able to go to that race next year. <laughs> I might just put my week in and just figure out a way to get down there and just be like, you know what, fine, I'll just watch it from the campground. I don't care. I just want to be down there to go see it. Yeah, and he was talking about how they're going to do the shuttle services from different parking around, yep. I think, kind of around the area there. And uh, they're going to definitely try and get the drivers involved and Everything, pretty much everything we talked about on the first episode of our podcast here of driver yeah. involvement and stuff, like that is what Marcus is trying to do for that all-star race. And I think that is going to move mountains for NASCAR. Oh, 100%. Like what Dale talked about, that one interaction is worth a thousand whenever, you know, oh, somebody yeah. can go up and meet Jeff Gordon or Brad Keselowski or you know, if they bring back some of the old school drivers, if you get Kyle Petty out there signing autographs, Dale Jarrett, Mark Martin, you know, name anybody that you can think of, Bobby Labonte, doesn't matter. Any of those guys is going to draw a crowd because that's back in the day when they all had their own trailers. I remember being a kid in Daytona walking around to like with my parents, we would walk around all the haulers and stuff just because mm -hmm. that was awesome. They all had their own fan haulers. Like yeah, nowadays, it's basically the teams, but the drivers were popular back in the day they were popular enough back in the day that they got their own dedicated hauler so yeah. if you can imagine what that'd be like now that you haven't seen them in you know 10 15 maybe more years out of the track like oh my gosh you know so and so is going to be out of the track that's amazing let's go see they're signing autographs and like dale jr said that's worth a thousand interactions because the same thing that we said they're going to go home and they're going to tell everybody they know everybody yeah that they met Dell Jr., Jeff Gordon, you know, Tony Stewart came out or Jimmy Johnson, whatever, name your guy. And that they had a really good interaction with him. They were a super nice guy. They signed my hat. They, you know, took a picture, took a picture with my kid and the whole nine yards. And they just spent like, you know, 35 seconds to a minute with them. But it means so much to the fans that you cannot put words around it whenever they take the time to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, we, we have to, as an industry, as a whole, we have to get the drivers more involved because, well, like like they said, that one interaction, I mean, that that is huge for the sport. And that's, that's what I liked about dirt track racing so much. And even still, with like the World Outlaw stuff and even your local dirt track, I mean, people hang out in the pits for a while afterwards, so all the fans, they can come down to the pit area afterwards they can walk around, they can see all the cars up close, they can touch them, they can get pictures next to them, they can meet the drivers, you can get autographs, you can buy apparel. I mean, it's just, that's what the fans want, and that's something I think is going to start coming back big time, especially with this all-star race. I think it's oh, going to yeah. start becoming, and like Marcus even said, there there's a turn happening. And it needs to. 
they've got to be they've gotten so far away so far removed from that because there for a while i kind of understood a little bit why they didn't do that because it was just you wouldn't have been able to please everybody because right. the sport was like in 2003 i'm just going to throw that year out there because it was the most one of the most popular years of nascar it was before talladega nights came out it was when Mm -hmm. junior gordon jimmy johnson they were winning all the races and it was just uber popular then and if they would have tried to do that then like if jeff would have stood outside a holler you probably would have made people mad because he wouldn't have had time to sign fifty thousand autographs before he went in to do practice or qualifying or go race or whatever but now to build the sport back up, Marcus Smith hit the nail on the head with this. You bring back the drivers, you get the interaction, and it doesn't matter who the drivers are. Ron Horn today, Junior. It like just pick guys that have a name or didn't have a name, or some of the guys that are racing now to go make a name for themselves, sign autographs, go hang out with the fans, do what they need to do, and you're going to rebuild the sport that way, or at least partially. Like yeah. it's going to help. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't even matter if you're one of the stars of the sport. If you're one of the drivers that is competing in one of the rate, like three national series in NASCAR, the truck, Xfinity, or Cup, the fans aren't going to care who you are. If you're one of the drivers competing, they're going to eat it up that you're out there signing autographs, taking pictures, doing stuff like that. That's just what the fans want. Yes, and I told the story before on a different show, but one of my favorite things about going, this is a different series. It's, it's a monster jam. And whenever I was a kid, what sold me on monster jam was after the event, after the rally, like at the Edward Jones dome in St. Louis, all the drivers would sit out on a big bench basically. Mm -hmm. And they would give you this pamphlet before the event started that had all their pictures and stuff. And they tell you to keep it because you're going to need it after everything is done. Well, the reason you needed it is because the drivers would sit there till one, two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. signing autographs for everybody after the Monster Jam event and meeting, you know, Dennis Anderson, Medusa, Tom Mintz, all the big names at that time in the early 2000s, a handful of times. Every time we went, we got to go experience it and bringing that level of commitment to the fans at premium races like the trucks like Xfinity, like Cup, that is priceless. And you're going to build so many diehard fans out of that, just doing that one little thing Mm -hmm. that makes a huge difference. And it's all like what they were talking about in the show. It's all about these little details that they used to do that they don't do anymore. Yeah, and that's one thing I like about the Arkham and Arch series. They, uh, at all the races, they do an autograph signing. I think it's in between qualifying and the race, I believe. Because when I did the Iowa race this year, Obviously, we had like a three-hour rain delay, so we had tons of time to do it. But all the drivers, they go up there under the grandstands. They all line up on the table, and they have a gated-off area, and everyone gets in line. All the drivers have their hero cards, and they're sitting there signing them, and you hand them out to people as they're going by. They, like, I got to sign a couple little kids' backpacks, uh, shirts, hats, sweatshirts. I mean, everything. And that just that fan interaction with the drivers right there was so cool. Cause I mean, it was absolutely downpouring out there Yeah, and the amount of people that still hung around just to go meet the drivers. It was so cool. And like the little kids, <laughs> they love it. Like if they hand you a hat and you sign it and hand it back to them, I mean, they're just grinning ear to ear. They probably, <laughs> they probably took that hat to school with them or something. And they're like, man, look at all these drivers autographs I got. I think that's one yeah. thing ARCA does very, very well 
with the fan interaction. Obviously, being a little bit of a smaller series, it's probably easier for them to do, but it's just one of those things like we've been hitting the head of the nail with on this is it's just something that is starting to come back, and I think it's going to really start making a big difference here before too long. Oh, 100%. And I, like, the way that Marcus Smith is approaching everything with the sport, I absolutely love. He's trying new things, even if they do or don't work. Like, don't be afraid to try new stuff. He's rebuilding the fan interaction aspect, and he wants to dive down into the details that they used to do and bring that stuff back to life. So I think he's the man. I think he's the perfect guy for the job. And him consulting with Dale Jr. just makes it even better. So oh, yeah. because Junior knows his stuff and he knows exactly what the fans want. He knows what the drivers need to do and he knows how everything needs to work to make this a big thing again. Yeah, and Junior, he's probably the best spokesperson for motorsports as a whole. I mean, he is so involved and he just talked about I think it was on the Eric Jones episodes where they were talking about um about losing their fathers at a young age and stuff like that and dale made the comment like he's like i wasn't going to impact the sport the same way that his father dale senior did but he's Mm -hmm. like there's other ways i can impact the sport and he is impacting the sport i think in an even bigger fashion than dale senior did just because of how involved in everything he is i 100 percent agree and i was saving this for later in the show we can do it now um Dale Jr. So Dale Sr. built the sport. He helped build the sport into what we knew in the early 2000s. There's no denying that. He was the man. Dale Jr. is going to be the one responsible for saving it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that his voice is going to carry, by the time it's all said and done, I think his voice and his opinion and his knowledge and the way that he carries himself and does everything, he is going to be a bigger name than his dad. It won't be because of behind the wheel but it'll be because of everything that he poured into it after he retired. Yeah, I I just, he has done so much. And like getting this North Wilkesboro deal back together and helping Marcus out with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, I think that is going to be a monumental event next year. And I did hear on uh, DBC that they were talking to Caitlin Vinci on this one. And she said she was the first one to interview jimmy after you retired and they're like well do you think jimmy will be in a cup car for the all-star race she's like well i don't know but that'd be really really cool <laughs> i mean that would be wild if jimmy came back to run the all-star race next year at wilkesboro that would be awesome i think that'd be sweet like i don't know they do different sports do different variations of all-star games too i think it'd mm-hmm. be fun kind of like with the srx series to just yeah do something similar to that, bring back a bunch of past champions into like one 20 lap shootout or whatever, or just do something like that, have their own little race. Yeah. And I mean, having Jimmy in that race, it really wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt anybody. There's, it's kind of a no strings attached. They're just racing for a million bucks. There's no points or nothing. So they're all just going out there trying to win a million bucks. So I think it'd be really cool to maybe get one of those, hall of fame worthy drivers back in or something like that like maybe one year i doubt tony stewart would ever do it because he's got a opinion to nascar stuff right now but 
get a name yeah. like that back in there, I think that'd be really cool. <clears throat> just for the All Star event. I mean, they don't need to do any of the other races, but just the All Star event every year, I think would be really cool. I think that'd be sweet. You do it like <laughs> you do it the same night, just earlier in the night, like yeah. a 30, 40 lap shootout between all the legends. You bring back like Gordon, Bobby Labonte, Martin, all those guys that raced back in the 90s, and you're like, here you go, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So looking at, looking at our notes here, I don't want to get too far off track because I see we did kind of touch on your notes you wanted to do later on. But oh, you're good. Um, we can get into uh, some more of the news notes that you got here. Um, so Truex mi- missing his pit stall. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt his pain earlier today. Actually, a lot of people didn't understand. So. I'll explain the situation first and I'll say what happened. So Truex and everybody were coming down pit road. Truex was leading and he, you see this every single race, the cars veer left like five or, you know, between five and six stalls before their actual pit stall comes up, especially if they're in the lead, because it's just getting out of the way of the pack and you don't get run over that way. Well, he misjudged where his pit stall was at and got run over by Kyle Larson because he just, you know, checked up all of a sudden and he just got turned around. People forget that they're actually still doing like 50 to 60 miles an hour on pit roads. It's not like you're just, you know, kind of tapping him real slow. It's a collision at 50 miles an hour. It's going to turn you around and that's why they slide so far. But he said, and so did Larson, that it had to do with the amount of sunshine that comes through the, that comes through the windshield. And can't see squat. You got to put your sunglasses on. You got to put the visor down and you got to hope and pray until you do that. You don't hit anything. That's the vision that they have at the track. Whenever the sun's going down at Homestead, like what they were talking about. And it's especially because they're in Florida. It's more intense there anyways. So like from one instance, I, I, it's kind of laughable because you're, you know, a professional race car driver, like you should have this figured out. You've done this six times today, but at the same time too, you know, the sun, the spot in the sky for where the sun is at changes. So I don't know. It's just kind of one of those deals that I, I was like, wow. Okay. That just happened. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and kind of like some of the interviews have said that is the 19 team has pretty much figured out a way how to lose every race this year. I mean, they've fought so hard to get into contention there and they just, he did Martin made a mistake. I mean, obviously it wasn't completely on Martin. I mean, but yeah, it's also Larson's job to be as close to that car in front of him when on pit road. That's just, yes, that's what you have to do. And so when Martin misses it by one box or two boxes, whatever it was, and he hadn't already started to fade off, I mean, Larson really had no time to react. I mean, he could have just looked down at his gauges for a second and had nowhere to go. Oh, hundred percent. And that's why they're supposed to, that's why you always see them do that. Like what I, like what we were saying is for that particular instance. And it's also a safety hazard too. Like if you don't get counted down, right, coming down a pit road, you got to think about all the guys that are ready to rock and roll. And as soon as you get close enough, they're able to jump over the wall and prepare for the pit stop. So they're out from behind that concrete wall out in the open. So if something happens, it's not like they're only going, you know, 20, 30 miles an hour, they're doing about 50. Yeah, so for them to hit, for them to hit any of their crew members is a big deal whenever that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, I mean they're moving right along down the road and it's just chaos. I mean you got all the different 
pit stall signs hanging out there, waving up and down. I mean, there's just so much stuff. It wouldn't be a good place to be if you got ADD or something <laughs> like that. It'd be hard to focus and figure out where you're at. But uh, it's it's a race and accident. Stuff like that's going to happen. But it's unfortunate because I think Martin was going to be the only one that really could contend with Larson. He was in a league of his own, like just a league of his own. But I want I want your take on this because we were going to talk about this is I'm jumping ship here for a second. So before the race, uh, actually this weekend, um, John Hunter Nemechek filled in for Bubba Wallace, who was suspended for the week, like what we talked about last week, for what he for his on race in race actions with Kyle Larson, and the team actually took his name off the door. Now, at first, I didn't really think that was that big of a deal until I got to thinking about it for a second. I was like, okay, I remember back in 2016, whenever Gordon filled in for Junior, whenever he was suffering from concussions and Alex Bowman was also filling in and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. they never took Junior's name off the car. They left it alone. It's the same thing that I've seen whenever – you know, Bowman's name is still on the car. Like the guys that are injured, their name is still on the cars. Right. And I had to look it up and it's actually a big deal. Like if your team takes your name off the door, that's like the ultimate middle finger in the racing world. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a low blow. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't blame the team for doing it because they got to get the point across that what Bubba did is, completely unacceptable but not only did Bubba have to sit there and watch his car go around the track with someone else in it he had to watch that car go around the track with that someone else's name on his car go around the track and then see John Hunter Nemechek go quickest and overall in practice and qualify I think it was third or fourth and then like the whole first stage I can't remember if he spun out in the first stage or not, but he was running up in the top five. It's like, man, that's that would eat at a driver big time. So my personal experience, all the cars I've ever drove, minus a few, have all been my own cars. So I haven't really ever had to see anybody else drive my car. Yeah. But in a situation like that, I mean, it would that would eat you alive. It has to. Oh, hundred percent. Like I can't even, I don't like seeing other people's names on some of the stuff that I do, let alone a freaking car. Like yeah. you've worked your butt off for a long time to get in that seat. And he's in the cup series for a reason. I'm not denying talent. Like he's there for a reason Yep. to take your name off the car at the highest level. Like, I didn't know that was that's why I wanted your perspective on it because I had no idea that it was as big of a deal as it is. Yeah, that that is that would be worse than a suspension, I think. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I mean it's bad enough sitting there watching somebody else drive your car, but having your name ripped off and his name put on it, man, that would be brutal. Oh, hundred percent. That's but, something they didn't really talk too much about. Like during the race weekend and everything else, it was just like, yeah, John Hunter's filling in for Bubba Wallace, blah, 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 blah. Oh, it says John Hunter on the top of the car. But that, yikes, that might've been enough to get the point across to Bubba that if he ever does that again, it it could be bad. Yeah. Well, the DBC guys said it perfectly. I think this week, whenever he comes back at Martinsville, he's going to have, he's going to have a, 
I don't a target on his back, like in big bold letters, like, hey, I did this thing that nobody agrees with. And a bunch of the drivers have spoken out since the accident happened about it too. And they're like, hey, you basically like tried to injure somebody. That's not cool, man. Yeah, and that he's probably driver intros, he's probably gonna get booed more than he ever has been before. So <laughs> yeah. I was actually at the Martinsville cutoff race last year and I think I think it was a tie between Bubba and Denny that got booed the loudest. Oh really? And that's Denny's home race. He's from Virginia. <laughs> yeah, he was doing a lot of dumb stuff last year though to get himself booed. Like he was just that's where the whole like the donkey laugh thing came from. I don't know if you ever missed that's yeah. a short track racing. <laughs> that's what he did after an interview. That's pretty good. You must have been practicing that. I've just seen the clip way too many times. It's in, it's in the back of my brain now forever. Oh yeah. There was a there's an Xfinity series driver that did that this year too. He was like, it's a short track racing. <laughs> Who was it that did that? I don't remember. Man, I I remember it now that you say that. I don't remember who did it though. They sh- they always show the clips back to back, and I always go back to Denny because he like he amplifies the moment way too much because he sticks <laughs> his teeth out and like bobs his head up and down I and know. the whole the whole nine yards. He <laughs> sells that whenever he does it. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! But he was just doing a lot of stuff that was you know making fans mad last year. It was bad. Yeah, because then after Alex Bowman won that race last year, that's when Denny pulled up next to him and tried to stop him from doing the burnout and everything right on the front stretch. And, I mean, it just <laughs> – not good for a home race. Uh, No, I've never seen somebody do that. Whenever, after somebody wins a race, I've never seen another car come around and try to prevent them from doing the burnout. I've seen people from, like, back in the day – get out and like go to victory lane and grab their collar and like, Hey, I didn't like that, you know, yeah. stuff like that, but I've never seen them interfere with a burnout. That was kind of crazy. Denny's just got his own way of going about everything. It always seems to piss people off too. Like no matter what he does, it's like wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he can get away with it. Evidently he's not, I don't know. I, I don't dislike him kind of like in between with Denny I think he'd be a good team owner like he's got he's definitely got a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill for his knowledge on the business side is incredible yes he would be an amazing team owner which he is he's done very well with 2311 this is their what second first second season second because Bubba was a one car team last year I believe and then they brought yes Kurt in this year so Yep, yep, because last year Jones took over the 43, which was one of my favorite moves, like, ever. Just because that that whole thing fits. He's a throwback. Like, if you ever listen to him talk or listen to that episode of the Dell Jr. Download, he is a throwback. And he spells his name the same way I do, so he's got to be a cool guy. That's all I'm saying. Hey. (laughs) It's not that common. (laughs) You spell it with a K. (laughs) So I was going to ask you about this, too. What do you think? I thought that, uh, what do you think about the iRacing trophy that Dell Jr. designed? That was incredible. Yes, that was cool. So that's kind of a topic that I've noticed that's kind of slacking kind of all over the place. Like half the time, weekly races, I guess I wouldn't 
like weekly dirt tracks, I guess I wouldn't expect a extravagant trophy or whatever, but even some of the bigger dirt races, just some of the trophies, they just don't seem to be the same quality that they used to be. And even some of the NASCAR trophies are, they're eh, okay. But then there's some of them that are pretty cool, but seeing Dale do that for the iRacing, that's really, really cool because that's what everybody's doing. They're trophy hunting and that's, Half the time, that's the main reason you want to win the race is just so you can have that damn trophy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Especially the way that he designed it almost exactly like the old Winston Cup trophy. Yeah. Which, if you've never, like, the old Winston Cup trophies used to weigh 60 pounds. It was an extravagant championship. Like, it wasn't this little cup thing that they give out now. It was this bit. It took two people to pick the freaking thing up. Like, I just remember watching videos of the guy having to help Jeff Gordon lift it up in the air because it was bigger than he was at the time. <laughs> like when he won his first championship back in 90, back in 95, I just thought that was awesome. No, those, that trophy was really, really cool. It, didn't it pay like a hundred grand to win or something? Yeah. For iRacing. Yeah. I don't want And I don't want that to sound bad. If somebody listens to the show that does iRacing, my hat's off to you because if I ever start iRacing, I'm going to wind up 600 pounds and I'm never leaving that chair. That's all I'm saying. Cause well, it would, because I've never gotten a chance to get behind the wheel of a stock car, which is on my bucket list and something that I want to do. And that would be the closest thing to it. And I've, I've done something similar to iRacing a couple of times where we would go to gateway um, back when it was called gateway. And whenever I was like 10, 12 years old, something like that, uh, they would set us up on these simulators when they first started coming out. And they would have you start racing people. And I would always just beat everybody. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to know what I could do behind the wheel of a real car. Well, there is a possibility that if you come dirt racing with me this year, I may let you may let you cruise around in it. We'll have to see. Rip some laps. Well, sometimes they let us go out and pack the track in. So Sweet. I'll go pack a track for anybody. You don't have to ask me twice. I don't care. Like, let's go. <laughs> we could probably make that happen. But yeah, that, that trophy was awesome. And uh, actually, I don't mind the Cup Series Championship trophy now. Like the one, like all the ones that Jimmy won, that phase that they went through, like Nextel and Sprint, I thought that yeah. championship trophy was just so boring. It was... It was just cheap, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it didn't. It didn't seem like a championship trophy. And if you guys get a chance, you got to go look up the video of the iRacing trophy because it is really cool. And Dale Junior's name, Dale Junior's name is on it too. It's the Dale Junior iRacing trophy. Yeah, which is like we said earlier. Like he is the man now in NASCAR. I'm just gonna say his voice carries and takes more you know weight than anybody else's in the sport when he says something they're like oh maybe we should start doing this hence north wilkesboro it's the reason it's happening is because of mm-hmm. that guy well and maybe they can carry that over to some of the trophies along throughout the nascar season that aren't so great can get better see that's something that you know just getting better i think that that's a core value always be learning, stay humble and things like that. And just getting better that NASCAR needs to adopt that 
both of us are used to based on where we used to work and where I used to work and where you used to be really affiliated with. And the always be learning, always, you know, trying to get better aspect just ties into everything. And I don't feel like some organizations take it seriously enough and they just, they need to, because if you're not learning, you're getting passed by somebody. doesn't matter who it is. There's no reason in the world that F1 should be more popular than NASCAR. Sorry. Like, I, I know there's a lot of people that watch it, love it, respect it. I respect it. But in the United States, there's no reason in the world why that should be more popular than NASCAR, period. Well, and did you see how big of a crowd it was for the F1 race down in, where was it, at Coda? Yeah, it was packed. Like, massive. It was insane. I've never seen a turnout that big before at that track. Uh, it's, but that was because it was Formula One. Yeah. There is no I, there, reason every race on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule could not be that packed. Oh, 100%. And it all has to do with what we talked about earlier. Marcus Smith doing his thing and getting the drivers back and just doing everything he says that they're going to do, pay, start paying more attention to the little details that they used to do back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, adapt it to today, and it'll have, I think it'll have more impact today than it ever did back then because people are like, people want social interaction. We don't ever get it anymore because we have these damn phones. Like mm -hmm. everybody just stares at their phone all the time, even when you're in a group with other friends. Like normally it winds up just being a group of people staring at their freaking phone. And people have completely lost touch with that interaction and they just need, we need to get back to it. Yeah. Well, and especially with everybody being able to work remotely anymore these days, I mean, you just, the, the social interactions yeah. of the offices is pretty much gone. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But I don't know. I think Marcus is, he's doing the right thing because the only way you're going to find out what doesn't work is by trying new things. The worst that's going to happen is it's a bust and okay, you just mark that off. You won't do that again. We'll try something different. Yep. That was no bueno on to the next one. Yep. <laughs> so let's wrap up. So that was stage one. We're going to try to break this thing into stages and we may change this format for all I know. This is only our third episode. We're just trying stuff out kind of like what they're doing in racing, like what we just talked about. Yep. So let's move on to stage two, the recap of this weekend's races. So for those of you that didn't get to catch anything or kind of behind when it comes to this, um, they were at Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. All three series were Truck, Xfinity, Cup were all at Homestead Miami Speedway. And all the races, in my opinion, were awesome. I know that Xfinity and Cup, they got spread out and stuff like that. But as far as like passing racing action goes, there are a few things that I like better than Homestead. The True Oval, High Banks progressive banking like it's just a fun race to watch because they can just search and go anywhere they want to yeah and i think that's why it was uh such a fan favorite for the championship races because phoenix is okay i think phoenix is one of those places that the yeah. race is going to be sometimes it's going to be really good and other times it's going to be not so great but all three series at homestead this weekend i thought were pretty good i mean obviously cup and xfinity noah and kyle pretty much just whooped them about as good as you could whoop them but <laughs> the battles yeah. throughout the field everywhere else they seem to be pretty good because you guys you got guys running all the way down from the apron all the way up 
to like half an inch from the wall. Oh yeah, it was awesome. And the fact that they can do that for one thing is just amazing to me. I know that they talk about this air cushion that happens when you get up that close to the wall going that amount of speed. You get this like little air cushion where it actually the air pushes you back away from the wall so you won't or shouldn't hit it. But the fact that they're going 150 through the center of the corner, like you can see my hand, but like, you know, a thumb off the wall is just freaking crazy to me. Yeah, like that picture that NASCAR posted on Instagram where it was like, I think it was three pictures. One was uh, William Byron, one was Larson, or maybe two of the pictures, two of the three were Larson. But just that picture of William running the fence compared to Kyle running the fence. (laughs) I mean, that you look at that picture of William and you're like, yeah, he's right on the fence. And then they, you scroll over and you see the next picture and you're like, Kyle is on the fence, but he's not. Yeah. He, (laughs) he, he put on a show Sunday. That was pretty impressive. 199 out of 267 laps led, like just won all three stages completely destroyed the field this past weekend and you talk about redemption from the weekend before like having that altercation and everything going on like you can't get any better than that it was freaking amazing well and like i said a couple episodes ago when i said i didn't know how they were going to deal with the adversity well they continue to keep answering my question to where i probably won't ever (laughs) question it again because that performance was incredible if that late race caution wouldn't have happened when Ryan Blaney spun on uh, coming off a of pit road, yeah, to bring out that yellow, like I think, I bet Kyle would have led all but a few more laps because there probably would have been another pit cycle or something. But I mean, he would have led over well over two hundred laps of that race. And I think the first oh. stage, he had like a eight second lead at one point in time or something. It was just yeah absurd and then like the second stage he had like a five second lead and then the third stage i mean it was kind of panning out that way even with the green flag pit cycle i mean he still had a pretty significant lead and then he obviously had to come back through traffic there after that late race yellow but just an absolute dominant performance oh 100 percent, yeah the way the way that he was riding the wall and then what he did after the race, I thought was pretty cool too. He did the longest burnout I've seen in a long time. And I didn't know that those tires would hold up to that too. I think he did burnout I think the whole it started to the come front apart. stretch. I think it started to come apart by the time he got to turn four, <laughs> but Wait, like he did a burnout, the whole freaking front stretch, all of it, all the yeah. feet sitting there roasting tires. That was awesome. Yeah. But what Kyle did on uh Sunday, he pretty much just showed everybody exactly what that five team is capable of doing. Yeah. And rule number two, don't piss him off. Like, cause he didn't do anything, you know, didn't say anything. He just was just like, it is what it is. And it was what it was on Sunday. He just showed them exactly why he is the best wheel man in the sport right now. And he just took him to school. Like there was no way that they were going to catch him. There was no one else running the wall like he was. I mean, there's guys up there running the wall, but they're like six inches off the wall. Kyle's yeah. like two inches, maybe. Right? He's grazing it every single time he goes by it. 
I, it's just crazy because you can you could watch it on the broadcast. You could see all the guys coming in right up on the fence. But you look at Kyle's and you look at his car. It looks like he's a slot car out there. It looks like he is glued to the wall and just riding it all the way around. Yep. But he yep. wasn't. Touching. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But and it sucks for it sucks for Truex because he's the only one that had like the speed that could have he's the only one that had the pace that could have kept up with him for a little bit. But as the runs went on, Kyle's Kyle was able to keep the tires underneath the car and just keep rolling. Like he ended up being almost half a second faster than the field at one point during yeah. the first stage. His consistently. long run pace was unbelievable. He didn't fire off the greatest. I mean, he was still fast, but he wasn't. Yeah wasn't as fast as like Martin was on the short run, but the long run, I mean, there was no one that had anything for him. Absolutely not. It was the same way in Xfinity with Noah. Like nobody could, nobody was touching him. I don't know. I didn't get to watch the race. I don't know what he was doing differently than everybody else. If he was just rim riding, like what Kyle was just better. Oh, okay. We know that's the lane then at Homestead. (laughs) You just got to run, you know, half an inch off the wall the entire weekend and you're good to go. Well, it's kind of funny because Kyle and Noah, they kind of have the exact same story at Homestead. Like they both had just absolutely dominated there, but they've always just had some sort of dumb luck come up that prevents them from winning the race. This was the first time either one yep. of them had won there. Which I thought was nuts. I, they have found like what Truex did this past weekend. They found so many ways to lose those races or just weird circumstances would happen like a tire would fall off or one year you know in front of Kyle whenever he was still driving the 42 like I think Logano and Carl Edwards wrecked in front of him or something causing Mm -hmm. a bunch of late race cautions and then Jimmy Johnson ended up winning the race somehow but like it was just stuff like that is what would always happen to him or he would get bulldozed or you know vice versa but I'm happy for both those guys they completely destroyed the field when it comes to just aspect of the race, led the most laps, won all the stages, like just done. Well, but the cool, and one I of love, my favorite races, though. <clears throat> go ahead. I love how they both added in their post race interview. I hope you guys enjoyed that ass kicking. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> that got the crowd going too. And see, it's the stuff like that. I just wish that they all would just say what they're thinking more often. Not enough to get them fined. There's a there's a line, but. Right just do enough that it's like, all right, they're real people. They're not robots. They don't just say, well, we had a great number five Chevrolet. I'm thankful for HendrickCars.com, Napa, Vaveline, all my sponsors, Chevrolet, Hendrick Motorsports. They didn't do that, which is super irritating to watch. I, I, I understand that they have to say the names, but say the thing before you go and say the names and make it mm-hmm. fun to listen to. Yeah. Cause, cause then I'm going to be like, all right, that guy just kicked everybody's ass. I'm going to go buy his Chevrolet t-shirt instead of now. Oh, here we go. Uh-huh. The Jimmy Johnson, the Jimmy Johnson post-race show. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and since we're kind of talking about Noah, um, I know they've brought it up. I think he even talked about it on that episode. He was on DBC with his, uh, just the exhaustion he is getting in these races like he says he's gonna get checked out after the season's over but man did did you see his post-race interview i didn't see all of it no i just saw the clip of you guys like that ass whooping that's all i saw he he could hardly even talk like he was so exhausted 
and just beat from that race. That's crazy. Like he couldn't hardly even answer the questions. I mean, he was he was drinking a bottle of water. I saw someone brought up and they kind of dumped a bottle of water down a suit for him and uh they would the broadcaster they would ask him a question and then he would just kind of it's not like he ignored them, but he just it's like it wasn't even registering. He was just so exhausted. Yeah. I mean, he can, and then he always climbs the fence after he wins. Like he barely even climbed the fence. Oh, that's just weird. Now, see, on on Eric Jones' episode of Dell Junior, um, he was talking about that actually. Like they were talking about why he gets like that after the race, and they both said the same thing: is because he gets really, really anxious in the car the entire race. Mm-hmm. And just completely wears himself out, like to a point of mental and physical exhaustion, like what you saw after. In I, that post race, I think show. that's the worst I've really ever seen Noah. Because I mean, you can you can tell because they he went through that thing where they said he was he was puking in the car and stuff like that, or puking after the race just from yeah the exhaustion. But to see him like where he almost looked like a zombie. He just couldn't hardly even move, couldn't hardly even talk. I mean, I haven't seen him that wore out. And I'm sure running the wall as hard as he did the whole day, I'm sure that was brutal. But, man, it was, he was whooped bad. That's interesting. It's amazing what that, um, just what that can do to you. Like, the mental fortitude that a lot of these guys have to have just to be in the car. Because you're fighting adrenaline the entire race. Oh yeah, And that's what a lot of people don't talk about is that you're fighting adrenaline, you're fighting anxiety, you're fighting all of these different things that add up. And for him, it's adding up to the point where when he gets out of the car, he basically just collapses and pukes on himself. Like that's just the best way I can describe it because he's so nervous, anxious and everything else. And it's not his fault. It's just something that happens for whatever reason. Mm. They'll have to get it figured out this offseason, especially before he moves to the 42 next year which I think he's going to be top 15 car all year. Like I see both Eric Jones and Noah based on the way that they ran this year, getting really close to, if not both of them making the chase next season, just because they both have the talent. They're going to have a better racing program next year because they're more affiliated with RCR and what they were this year. Like there's just a lot of stuff going on. That's positive for petty GMS and it's going to move them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, Noah and Kyle pretty much put on a clinic this weekend. So if you want to, if you want to learn how to race at Homestead, I would just suggest go back and watch either the Xfinity or cup or both because they put on a clinic for sure. Yeah. That was a show. Dude. What do you think of your boy Ty winning the truck series race? That is so awesome. I hope (laughs) he wins the championship, man, but I didn't get to see all the truck race. I've, I kind of got wrapped up in some other stuff, but I was just kind of checking in on updates, but, sounded like kind of when he got to the lead he was pretty much had it handled from there yeah well the trucks are very aero dependent um so whenever you do get out to the lead that's why they kind of just it seems like they run away to an Mm. extent and then they're also they they're easy to draft off of so that's why it's hard for them to pull away as well i know that may not make sense but if they've got a strong enough truck they can pull away from the field. And I don't think anybody would catch them just because those trucks are very, very aero dependent, which is why I really think next season and moving forward with the truck series, they need to get back to more like short track racing and doing that kind of stuff because those things are, they're good at some of the ovals, but in 
places like Charlotte or a lot of the D oval tracks, they don't seem to, they put on a show, but for the majority of the race, they're just kind of following each other around. It's hard to pass. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think they're starting to get some more, uh, short track races. Cause I see, uh, they're not going back to Knoxville again this year. They replaced that with, uh, the Milwaukee miles. So that'd be cool. good. I wish that they would just stay where they used to be. They had the coolest schedule in the nineties, like from 95 to 99. They went to like Walt Disney world speedway, which I thought was freaking cool. They went to all these like older short track races just around the country. And I thought that schedule was awesome. Yeah, they just, and I think they, I don't know how many races they have, but I wish they didn't have such big breaks in between some of the races. It just, it sometimes it makes it so hard to follow. Oh, hundred percent. Bringing in the, some of the short tracks and they're going to IRP again, which is awesome because that is a really cool track. It is. So I, I was on, dude, I have a cool story about IRP. Whenever I was on 75 hard earlier this year mm-hmm. and I'll explain what that is at a later time, but it's basically a mental toughness challenge program. If you don't know what it is, go look it up. You'll find out real quick. It's a very, very beneficial thing that you can do for 75 days. But I was doing one of my outdoor workouts on the speedway. So really, we were at, yeah, we were at UCC for work. And, oh, I gotcha. and the speedway is right next to the drag track. So mm-hmm. I had to go for my walk to get it out of the way because we were going to drive home that day. And I wanted to do one before I got in the truck. And I saw the speedway and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go walk on the track. So I spent 45 minutes making laps around IRP, like for a workout. I thought that was pretty cool. Life came full circle at that point. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a cool track. And I I really like seeing the trucks go there and Arca's going there. And I think, I think Xfinity might be going there too. Yes. So that's really cool. That's a nice track. And, it's just another short track to the schedule. Short track racing is what's going to make this even better. Oh, 100%. I absolutely love the fact that they're going back to all the, bringing back a bunch of the older short tracks and just continuously incorporating more of them into the sport. Because it takes away, especially for truck and Xfinity, it takes away a lot of the um, advantages that some of the larger teams have, I feel like, and it kind of evens the playing field a little bit. It kind of takes, it's kind of like going to a plate race. You never know who's going to win a plate race for mm-hmm. the most part. Could be anybody. And it's the same way to an extent for short track races, too. Yeah. And I, I wish they would, uh, I wish all three series could run at Iowa here in the Iowa Speedway because that track, it's so fun. It produces really good racing. Oh yeah. Cause it's a seven, eight mile track. So it's, it's like a tweener between a short track and an intermediate, I guess, but it, it just, it produces really good racing. It, it's always drove me nuts that they just don't have very many races there. The trucks don't even go there anymore. I don't, I don't remember if Xfinity goes anymore or not, but really they just have the IndyCar race. And that IndyCar yeah. race they had there this year, it was a two-day show, and it was packed. Yeah, it sold out, from what I remember. Yeah. But short tracks are the move, for sure. Yes, more short tracks. <laughs> when in doubt, more short tracks. That's all you need. Dale Jr. would agree with that. That's because it puts on the best show, man. Like, 
if you're going to take somebody to a race for the first time ever, I completely agree with what he says. I'm not taking them anywhere but the Bristol night race. That's that, the first place I'm taking somebody. I suggest that race to everybody. Yes, because there's, in my opinion, the only thing better just because of the nostalgia for the event is the Daytona 500. Like, that's the only race that comes to par with that and one of the martinsville races like the martinsville night race that's going to be coming up this weekend mm-hmm. that's freaking cool like that's one of my favorite races as well mm-hmm. now, the bristol night race is nuts because not only that's why you have to go see it in person because on the tv you're only going to see whatever battle they want to show you and most of the time it's the leaders but yes there's like 10 other battles going on throughout the whole field you got the top five going at it. You got like 10th through 15th going at it. Then you yeah. got like 25th through 30th going at it. I mean, it's just nuts. There, Everywhere you look, there's a battle going on. They're beating and banging, and they're racing just as hard for 25th as they are for the top five. Oh, 100%. That's with every – and that's something that nobody talks about with any track that they go to ever is you always see like the top eight like everywhere you go you always see the top eight top 10 maybe if they run through the field you might see the top 15 cars what they don't tell you is that some of the best racing in the field happens from 15th to 25th because those guys are running their guts out for more money more you know Mm -hmm. maybe get on tv and do that kind of stuff and I, I don't know. I wish that they would have another camera half the time that would cover like 15th to 25th, just the battles that are going on there. Cause those guys are racing harder in my opinion for 16th place, especially if it's a team that's like underfunded and they're doing really well mm-hmm. that weekend. They race harder than some of the guys that are up front because that's another set of tires for those guys. That's another body maybe for their car. That's mm-hmm. another chassis. That's another motor. That's something that they can use to propel that team forward. And just from being in it, like with the trucks, they, I can tell you from experience, they race their asses off for 19th place. That's a hard fought 19th position. Cause there's oh, three yeah. other guys that are like, no, I need in the top 20. Cause the, the purse bracket changes when you get in the top 20. Yeah, I, that's a fact. But yeah. uh, even when we watched Martinsville live last year, I mean, you can't stop looking around because there's just something going on everywhere. And, uh, Oh, it's crazy. In the mile and a half for the most part are pretty good, but like super speedways, they, they are what they are, but some of the mile and a half, they just spread out too much and it's not near as aggressive, but the short tracks, no. cause everyone is, pretty much racing off emotion at that point because you get cut off pretty easy and you just get fired up. (laughs) That's a fact. You see way more guys irritated that somebody cut them off for 15th at short track races than you do anywhere else. (laughs) Oh yeah. But I I think Martinsville is going to be pretty good this weekend. I'll be curious to see how the cup race is, but Xfinity will be a good for sure. They all should be pretty phenomenal. Like, I'm really looking. I look forward. Martinsville is just also one of my favorite tracks. Like, if I had to give you a racetrack that I would do a lot of things for to be able to go to, Martinsville would 100% be that track. Have you ever been there? No. 
it's way cool because it's kind of like Bristol. It's uh, it kind of sits down in a little bit of a valley, so you kind of come in at top of a hill and then you drive down and like it's all hillside yeah. parking and everything and it's just it's a really cool place and the racing's awesome. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's some of the best. It's also like from a setup standpoint, it's one of the best tracks. It's also a great track for tire fall off. Mm-hmm. Like people lap speeds decline actually unless it's the next gen car and then they don't. They stay the same for the entire race and you can run the whole race on one set of tires, which they need to fix before next season, because that was just insane. They shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know how much different the cup race is going to be this weekend or not, but Martinsville is pretty cool because the whole backstretch is like all camper parking. You kind of sit up on a, on the side of the hill and the railroad tracks go by back there. It kind of reminds me of a track that I raced on around here. Uh, it's obviously they, they redid it and, kind of got rid of all that they turned it all the pit area now and knocked down the hill but the back stretch uh used to be elevated and it was all like camper parking and stuff like that so you could just you could kind of pull up on the back stretch and park your truck and sit on the tailgate and just watch the dirt races there and like i said they they got rid of that because they completely redid the track and everything but that's what's cool about Martinsville because you can just pull your camper up on the back stretch and sit on top or sit in a lawn chair and just watch the races. And it's all right there and you can't miss anything because it's a short track. So, yeah. Dude. Yes. That's a bucket list place for sure. That Darlington and now North Wilkesboro, especially if they keep the uh, all-star race there, like we said earlier in the show, I I have to go to that place at one time or another, just because that would be so much fun. Like, especially, ah, I just want to go. Yeah. You wouldn't be both, but no, (laughs) Darlington's definitely on the list too. That place is, that would be so much fun to race on. One of my tracks, like just the way it's set up. I always love the racing there. And it is by far some of the best racing you'll ever go see because those there's different groups that you can run. You can pass high, low, you know, whatever. And by the end of the race, they've had enough and they're just Mm -hmm. getting after it at the end of the race. They're (laughs) tired. They want to go home after 500 miles of just digging. (laughs) They just want to go home. And if you cut somebody off fifth place, you better expect to get turned around because it's going to happen. Tempers tempers flare very quick at places like that oh 100 yeah so we have a we have a wide open segment is what i called it for stage three and i want to jump into that before we this this doesn't cut us off like what zoom did what we previously used before <laughs> we run out of time i want to get to uh talking about our open segment if you're good with that that way we can get into our picks and then hopefully not go over two hours (laughs) (laughs) no that's cool man we almost got too carried away last week but oh dude that could have if we weren't paying attention to time that could have been a two and a half hour long conversation just because it's an endless especially with the bubble wallace thing it's like an endless topic you could just talk about it forever So we already kind of covered it earlier, but I wanted to bring up Dell Jr.'s impact on the sport. 
and just kind of talk about that for a second because I don't think it I don't think it gets talked about enough and I don't think enough people have realized all the stuff that he has done from just the quality of racing to influencing the cars to influencing the tracks hence North Wilkesboro and potentially Rockingham if they decide to go back there like he has had a lot to do with what I feel like the resurrection of NASCAR will be and the man is involved in everything like we said earlier he's got an iRacing trophy named after him now because he was involved in that when it first started because he saw the future when it came to iRacing excuse me evidently and his dad used to make fun of him for it he'll say Mm -hmm. it in the show he was like (laughs) Get out there and damn video games. What are you doing? (laughs) Get out there and go work on something. Like, I remember my parents saying that to me, actually, because I was addicted to racing games off topic for a long time. Like, that's all I would do is just go race NASCAR. But like we said earlier, I also think that um, when you compare the two, because a lot of people will compare him to his dad. And I just I don't think that that's a fair assessment. And this is why, because junior throughout his career i know that senior had ups and downs and highs and lows and stuff like that like everybody does but they weren't as impactful i feel like on your racing career as juniors junior had to deal with obviously 2001 his dad passed away your rock you're the guy that you talk to he says a lot who knows what his career would have been if senior would have been alive for your who knows? He could have gone down a multiple time champion, won like 65 races. You don't know. The other thing is he got, he literally caught on fire in 2004 and had to, yeah, had, had to have a relief driver for, I think, six to eight races that season. And it knocked him out of the contention for the championship and all kinds of other stuff. Like it was just, it was bad. And he, later on, he dealt with the fallout and DEI, like, all of a sudden the team all of a sudden it was just a a shit show for like a better term inside that building left 100 motorsports and then he started suffering from concussion issues and i'm like the man had a lot of stuff go on through the career he had in nascar we're just lucky we got to see him as long as he did as long as we did and this is the thing that bothers me that people say no he ain't that good of a driver well all right well he won two Xfinity Series championships, Bush, Bush Series at the time, two Daytona 500s, and he's won 26 or 27 races in the Cup Series. That's more than he's in the top 30 or something close to that on the all-time wins list. Like, wasn't that good of a draft? All right, well, you're full of shit. Like, so, yeah, like I said, he the, the man won 27 races, did all the things in the Cup Series, won at Martinsville. He won at a lot of the big tracks. Like, he had a really good career. He just had a lot of stuff happen and like what we were talking about earlier i truly do believe that while dale senior did everything on the track dale jr's biggest moments are going to be off the track in the booth doing his podcast doing the iRacing trophy doing all the things that he's been doing for the past like you know five or six years now since he retired and just going full send on and now you know they're probably tens of thousands of fans, if not more that have come to the sport just because they've seen or heard of a show or come back like people that might've ducked out in early two thousands or whatever, like Dell Jr.'s got a podcast. I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. That sounds pretty interesting. Like what are, what's going on this weekend? Turn, turn the race on. Like, I wonder what his true impact on everything has been. Yeah. He's doing so much for the sport and he's a good 
good person to have in the booth too, because he just brings a different level of excitement and different insight than everybody else. I mean, yes. what other broadcaster gets as wound up as Dale Jr. does when someone throws a slide job? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's where you were going with that. I mean, he just, he gets so excited. He's just, he's got a really good perspective of everything. And he just, he is doing so much for the sport in so many different ways. And that podcast has just absolutely blown up the last couple of years and mm -hmm. just getting all these guys that have been, that just kind of disappeared. Like the Jeremy Mayfield story. Like nobody has heard of that guy in years. And then he has no. a two part episode with him and everybody's like, man, that was awesome. That was Jeremy Mayfield. Like we haven't heard of him in forever. And here he is. Yeah. Because he supposedly kind of sort of maybe did or didn't do drugs. Like, we'll never know. But yeah, just based on that episode, we'll probably never know. But it was cool hearing from him again. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of like Buckshot Jones. Like, nobody yes. has heard that name in forever. No. Nobody even really knows who he is. And you got to find out, which was cool. He's had Dale Inman on there before. He's had, like, I can't even think of some of their names now. He's had, if you name old, as far as like drivers and things like that, he's had, I think it was Ernie Urban's crew chief on there a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think so. But I he did, what he had Ernie Urban was. on there too. Yeah, he's had like, he's brought people back that I haven't heard of in so long or never even knew existed, like crew chiefs car chiefs guys that have just been around the sport ty norris is one of the guys that i did not have a clue who that was and he's one of the most interesting people that were on the show and yeah. he had a lot to do with dei back in the day and now he's with colleague and they're tearing it up right now so obviously he knows what he's doing yeah but that that podcast man it has just done so much but that's that's kind of what we need to do because when these guys when these drivers retire or leave the sport they just completely fall off the face of the earth. It's like they're just gone. It's like they were never even here, and yeah. you don't ever hear of them, and then they get on that show, and it just goes nuts. Yes, 100%. Well, I I like Junior think, thinking this way. I think that those guys need to stick around because without them, we lose the stories, and that's the most important thing that we have is like if you don't ever have – a good relationship with your grandparents or something. I'm just throwing it out there because it's kind of the same concept. You never know what they did, their stories, their backgrounds. And it's all always super interesting. Just like learning about the Wood Brothers, learning about, you know, the Yates boys, learning about all those guys. You learn what they used to do back in the day to make a race car work. And the fact that those things went around the track as fast as they did back in the sixties and seventies and not more people were killed. I have no idea how they did that, but they did it and they brought it up to what it is today. And without those stories, like being documented is the biggest thing. He's got hours and hours and hours of documented, like just amazing stories from that show that if it didn't exist, we never would have known. Yeah. And if you're a fan of racing, got, if you're. He's got like over 400 episodes. Yeah. And they're full of amazing guests. Like there's even the Gordon episode. There's stuff that I didn't know about Jeff. And that episode brought it to light. There's a lot of really, really cool stuff about his dad too. Like he's, yeah. in hindsight, I think it's going to be a documentary series about him learning about his dad. 
all the stuff that he didn't know, which is freaking cool. Yeah, and uh, who was it? It was the baseball coach that was just on there. Ned Yost. Ned Yost. He brought he brought that uh, the champagne bottle from one of Dale's uh, championships and just the little trinkets and souvenirs that he brought that Junior didn't even know even existed. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that is just so cool. Well, it's, and there's always stories that go with it too. Like Larry Max, Daytona 500 story that he tells, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the, his podcasts are some of the best ones. Him, um, man, the Fox announcer that's been around forever. I can't think of his name for some stupid reason right now. Um, Man, I feel, I feel really dumb for not remembering that. So Mike, Joy. Mike, Mike Joy. Mike Joy, yes. Yeah. He's one of my favorite. He's one of the most knowledgeable car guys ever. He is one of the guys that does Barrett Jackson every single year. And he'll just start listing off stuff, like, as they're going across the block. I know this is off topic, but he'll just start listing off stuff going across the block. And I'm like, how in the world do you just pull this out of your butt and you just know it? Like, I thought I know a lot. Of, I think I know a lot about cars. No, there's always somebody out there that knows way more than you do. But. It's just like those guys have to get on that show to tell those stories because that knowledge, that information that's in their brain, they'll never have the opportunity to get out except on the Dell Jr. download. And I think that's going to go down as the greatest thing that he's ever done. Like, I'm just going to say that right now. I think that's going to go down as the greatest thing he's ever done. I think it already is. I mean, just the stories. Everybody's got a story. It don't matter who you are. Everyone, you all, we each have our own story. But just yep. getting to hear some of the stuff them guys went through to get to where they were and the things they accomplished, the things that happened, it's just, you have to listen to the episodes to really appreciate it. But man, just some of the guests and some of their stories are just truly incredible. They really are. Some of my favorite ones are always the <laughs> the cheating stories. I oh, love yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite ones was uh, DW, um, yep. Darren Walter. He was talking about the the lead shot that they would put in the frame rails that he had this little screwdriver on the side of the car that he would turn that little knob and it would it would exit the car and it, you know, saved weight and it did what they it made the car faster the way that they wanted it to go faster, for lack of a better term. But it was illegal to do. And the story goes. NASCAR would check for that kind of stuff and they hit it in the perfect spot. They hit it in the jack stand post. Because to get the car up in the air, they would cover the hole that (laughs) was for the lead shot for the jack stand. So after they'd set it back down, he was like, they never knew anything was going on. (laughs) And then he was like, the best part about it was I got somebody in trouble one race. I don't remember what the driver's name was, but he was like, I let that buckshot out and or the lead shot. Sorry. And I think it was Dave Marcus or something ended up getting pulled down to pit road and his car got inspected. And I was like, that's amazing. Well, (laughs) I was at. My favorite part of that story is how he talks about he was walking around uh he was walking around the apron of the track with one of the NASCAR guys or one of the officials or one of the owners or something and they're like DW I don't know what's going on but we've been finding all this lead shot at the, down on the apron of all these tracks we don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> he said that they were BBs or something. He was like yeah. I don't know where all these BBs are coming yeah. from but they're on that apron of every racetrack we go to. You know what's going on? He's like nope, nope. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the ingenuity was just incredible. 
Oh, the stuff that they could do back then, they were way smarter than we are. I'm just a ton yeah. smarter than we are. Because they had to build that shit from nothing, nowhere. No computers, no nothing. You had to go weld it, put it together, measure it five times, cut it once. Like the amount of ingenuity that went into the old cars is incredible to me. Yeah. What was it? The Was it the Andy Petrie one where they talked about Harry Gant's spoiler? Yeah. Like the ingenuity <laughs> to make that spoiler just drop down all out of they, the pull down mechanism of a trunk lid of a passenger car. <laughs> yeah. In the tech, I feel sorry for the tech boys at NASCAR now because they have to try to figure that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Well, now everything's all off of like CAD yeah. drawings and 3D images and lasers. And so you can't get away with anything like that anymore. <laughs> Back when the rule book was only, you know, 120 pages instead of 2020 pages, they could get away with that. Exactly. Dude, I just wanted to like put some light on that because I think that his show and everything that he's doing is just, it's amazing. And the fact that he was the 14 time most popular driver and he's the guy that's out there doing it just solidifies the impact of it. Cause you know, there's millions of people listening just because it's Dale Jr. Like because of the name, they're just like, yep, I'm in. Let's listen to this every week. Well, and I I like the fact that he gets more than just people that were in NASCAR. Like he had Ned Yost. He was a baseball coach. And he just, he gets people from all over the place in there. And like I saw last night, he was at WWE. And, <laughs> yeah. but he's, he's getting involved with every, with everything but NASCAR. He's not only in nascar he's just going he's getting involved like he was he got to go to the kentucky derby with nbc and stuff yeah. like that i mean he's just he's building his brand and he's just bringing more traction to nascar on top of it yeah i absolutely love it and if man if in a perfect world he would be the guy calling the shots like for nascar he would be the dude that's saying, all right, we need to do this with the cars. We need to go to these tracks. We need to do these things and stuff like that. I know he has a big enough voice that he's probably kind of basically doing it anyways. But without paying him for it, I think that, like, he needs to be the guy for that. I I couldn't find a better candidate for it. Oh, hell no. Like, he's got the voice. He knows what he's doing. Just let the man go. Like, he knows all aspects of the sport. He knows what yeah. it means to be an owner. He knows what it means to be a driver. I mean, yep. he's he's covered it all. Now he's an analyst. Yeah. Yeah. And he also has a perspective of what it was in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, yes. which is the most important part. He went from going to the tracks with his dad, you know, in the 80s and 90s and stuff to build his own cars to doing the Bush Series in the late 90s and then racing up until 2017. So, yeah definitely the man for the job yeah he's doing incredible things but all right man before we run out of time um we got martinsville coming up this weekend so i want to cap this off with the picks for the week and then we can and then we'll wrap it up if you're good with that yeah that's good with me man okay so i'm gonna let you go first and if you take my guy i'm gonna be mad again this week <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
So Xfinity, Martinsville, what is Tanner's pick? I feel like I'm taking your guy, but I haven't picked him yet. I'm going to have to go with Noah. Dang it. <laughs> I, knew in a row. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen, but he's, man, the he's, just, he's just doing so good right now. Yeah. He's, he's the hot hand for sure. Like, He's won, what, eight races now this year? Which yeah, is nuts. it's nuts. But he's just, he's doing all the right things. He really wants this championship. And I thought about going with AJ this week, but I just, I don't know how he's going to do at Martinsville. I'm just, I'm not sure. I haven't paid enough attention to how he did. Because I think they were there earlier this year as well. But I just, I'm not sure how well AJ does there. He does okay everywhere but i just i didn't pay enough attention i just know noah's just got too much momentum right now oh 100 i think noah's won at martinsville before too but i always just like to go with like the larry mack saying what have you done for me lately well he's won a shit ton of races here lately <laughs> and yeah. he's just a hot hand so i was gonna pick noah but my second pick because he kind of he also is in a i i don't know how he how this happens every year i feel like every year justin has a chance to win the championship. And for some unbeknownst reason, I don't know how it happens, but it seems like it's every season, somehow like misses the final four, or if he's in the final four, something happens that week. And I'm just like, man, the dude has done everything you can do in Xfinity. And he just he just doesn't have the title yet. And because of the because there's going to be a sense of urgency there, I'm taking Justin because they're five points outside of the championship right now. And he's got to do something. They're going to have to do something to win. Like they just got to, because they can't rely on uh, points to get them in for, you know, fight for the four spot. You can't do that. You got to go win. Yeah. Well, and Justin, he knows how to be aggressive on the short tracks too. And I think he's won at Martinsville too before I think. So, yeah, but I, any junior motorsports car, honestly, is probably a good bet. Probably not so much Sam Mayer, but like even Josh mm-hmm. Berry, I could see him being potential he this was, weekend. He was my uh, second second choice, just because or third actually. Any of the J, I'll, I'll just pick JRM, like yeah, <laughs> to win the race. <laughs> Pretty much, weekend. who's going to win? Junior Motorsports? What? Junior Motorsports? Who's that? That's Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier. Noah Gregson and Sam Mayer. Sam Mayer hasn't been as competitive as I think he should be, Mm-mm. but it's a four car thing. Like there's yep. always going to be one guy that's never running with the other three. So he's just, he's, that's just his car this year for whatever reason. But Josh Berry could just go and dominate, like, cause he's done everything you can do with that track. He could just go completely destroy the field and win. Yeah. I, he's a short track guy. That's what he's really, really good at. So he was probably going to be my second pick if i wouldn't have gone with noah but yeah after that dominant performance i just feel like noah's got way too much momentum right now yeah see i think noah wins the championship to be honest with you this year i do too i I don't see anybody when they get to phoenix i just think they're going to be so locked in he's already in the championship four so i'm I i see them being so locked in that like he could win this week and next week which oh, yeah. is crazy to think about, but yeah, he could wind up winning 10 races this year. He's going to want another grandfather clock for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. You can never have enough of, enough of those. Ask Jeff Gordon. 
I know. I want one really bad. <laughs> well, he's got nine, so he's got a couple. But all right, man. So what about Cup? That's going to be the interesting one because passing is not going to be easy this weekend based off the previous race. Yeah, and I've been kind of thinking about my pick almost all day just because I didn't I didn't know because like the race in the spring earlier this year, it, it just pretty much where you started is where you finished. Yeah, but that was not good. I'm going to go with Joey Logano. Really? Because Joey, he's been pretty good at Martinsville in the past. Obviously, he got wiped out by Kenseth a few years ago. But I just, I think Joey, he, yes, he's already locked into the Final Four and he can focus, but he's just, he's very competitive. He wants to go win. And, he has done well at Martinsville in the past, so I could see him going out and getting a good qualifying time, and I could see him being up front there at the end. So Joey's my pick. Oh, 100%. He, <laughs> the year he got taken out turned into one of my favorite wins ever. Because so, <laughs> that was that turned into Jeff's final win, so I know. I, that made me happy when that happened because he was running third, and then Kenseth went and took, took out Logano, and I was like, oh! <gasps> Yes, now he's just got to beat McMurray. Let's go. Yeah, it's crazy as I was in the same house when that happened too. It's weird how that works, but man, I, I'm going with Denny because he's got a he can't rely on points much much like Justin Allgaier cannot, and he is a short track guru. He's really really good at Richmond, and he's really good at Martinsville. So mm-hmm. my pick is Denny, and he seems to qualify pretty well too. So. I think that between him, Logano, and a select few other guys, that that's that'd be it. Like, Unless he gets into that <laughs> short track racing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe him and Joey will get into that this weekend again. Oh my gosh! Just <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to see. So I want to spare everybody that and hopefully Denny has a good weekend so he doesn't have to do the buck tooth donkey thing again because that's just embarrassing. <laughs> uh one of the greatest post race interviews ever. Oh, for sure. It, it sticks in your mind and you just can't get rid of it. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. So who's your dark horse? Just that I, I, I always want to go with a dark horse for the week. Who's that guy that's gonna surprise us maybe? Oh boy. Um you know, I'm gonna give it to Martin Truex. Ooh, that's a good one. He is really good at this track. So Yes. Yes. That if he qualifies well, good luck. Because he's gonna be mad after last week. Mm-hmm. Because they solid. are itching for a win because they have lost the race in about every way possible this year. It's sad, actually. It, this reminds me of the year that Kyle Larson got second like eight or nine times or something and could just never get first place for whatever. I think it was when he was with Chip Ganassi. He yeah. just could never win the race for whatever reason. And everybody's like, man, he just can't close. He just can't do anything. And well, he proved them wrong. <laughs> yeah, we're, we are where we are now. But back then, that was the talk. Man, I got Willie B. I don't know. He won earlier this year there. He seems to qualify good. And then I, he's got to win, so it's his only way in. Yeah, I I considered him, but.
but I just I know Martin is so good at Martinsville. Yeah. I also I'm kind of biased and I like seeing the twenty four car in victory lane at Martinsville. So Yeah. <laughs> I th- I think that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, well he was fast there this year, but then again, there there just was no passing at the race earlier this year. You pretty much finished where you started. Yeah, well, it's so messed up. You should not be able to shift at Bartonsville. That shouldn't be a thing. That That's not right. Like, no. Like, why are they shifting at Homestead? I don't know. The shifting <laughs> crap needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, I... It, like, you're supposed to put it... This is the way that I understand how the world is supposed to work. You put it... Once you get to high gear, you don't touch it. You leave it alone. So you got to come back down pit road. That's it. That's all you got to do. You leave it in high gear. You focus on driving. That's all you got to do. There's none of this. And it was a real H pattern four speed. It wasn't this push shifter thing that they have now. I don't, I don't really care for those. It's like a rally car. I'm not, this isn't rally racing. It's freaking NASCAR. Put four speed back in the cars. Yeah. I've, I haven't been sold like every, every track, but the super speedways they're shifting. And it drives mm-hmm. me nuts. And it sound for somebody that's listening to this that doesn't that may not watch it as much. It may sound like a little thing, but whenever they do shift, especially at places like Martinsville, it if they miss a turn or if they miss the quarter by a little bit, it gives you way too much room for error. Like in my opinion, I, I think that whenever you're at Martinsville, it's finesse, it's timing, it's getting in and out of the turns the right way, it's driving like what we used to see, you know. Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Richard Petty back in the day, they just would get around that track. Dale Earnhardt was pretty good there too. Like, man, I just, I miss that kind of racing and I wish that they would go back to it. Not this like in the spring when they went there, you could miss a corner by 50 feet and downshift and then the guy couldn't pass you. And I was like, that's not right. That's dumb. We don't need this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they basically built uh NASCAR legal sports car is basically all it is. It's like an IMSA car for NASCAR. Yeah. That's perfectly said, actually. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Independent suspension, sequential gearbox, transaxle, five speeds. Man, I'm old school. Just make the car look like a freaking Camaro, like what it's supposed to look like. And give them a four speed, give them a big ass engine with 850 horsepower and let them rip. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want 600. It's, I'm actually thankful that they're not running at full steam this year, power wise, because I think people would have seriously gotten injured. Oh, yeah. That was a good, that was a good call. Maybe they knew something we didn't going into the season, but that was a good call. Next year, fix the issues, 800 horsepower, let them rip. Just have at it. Yep. Like, we'll see who the best drivers are in that aspect. And I guarantee you, that the guys that were up front in 2018, 2019, 2020 will wind up front again. Wind up out front again. Speech is getting hard. It's getting late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Open them up. Let them rip. Yeah, it makes it exciting. Plus, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to clips of the Gen 6 cars at full song. Like it when they were running 850, 900 horsepower. But. Sounds a lot better than the next gen car. Like oh, yeah. a lot better. Oh it's yeah. It's the sound of thunder rolling down the road instead of I don't know how to describe what the car sounds like now. It's just not it definitely has a different sound. After hearing it live, it is definitely different. 
Yeah, it's a different. There's people that have referred it to many different things that I probably shouldn't say on the show, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't even know how to explain the sound without you just hearing it for yourself. But it is. It's definitely different. And it sounds different in person too than what it does um, through the TV. In person, oh, yeah. it's. I don't know. I just want race cars to sound like race cars and look like race cars and become race cars. No more five speeds. Go back to the H speed, the the H pattern, four speed. Yep. Yeah. The good old days. (laughs) (laughs) But all right, man. So I say, I'm going to call it. I think we should wrap this thing up. What is your uh, Instagram handle? My Instagram is underscore Tanner Allen underscore. Sweet. That's where they can nice follow you simple. on. <laughs> That's why I like it. Or you can just search race car driver and his name will actually pop up. I've done it just as a test. So it actually does work. Yep. So if you want to follow me, I am the captain of cars on every social media channel. And then if you don't already follow the show, first gear podcast on Instagram, TikTok, we're on Twitter. We're posting almost every day. We're getting more consistent. If you haven't already, go leave us a review if you'd ever be so kind and do the most important thing if you liked it and got some information out of here you didn't know already. Share the show. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.